This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. So what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, our time-honored thing, which is, of course, let's ask our brother Neville to pray for us as we gather uh, together, and then we're going to uh, tackle the text. Okay. Father, thank you for this time set aside to submit ourselves to your word, Lord. We pray you guide us by your spirit, Lord, and that we would know the unity of your presence and open our hearts to see wonderful things out of your word, we mm. pray. Amen. 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 All right. Now, uh, we got, I'm just going to read the, the overview um, from last week, which is from Acts 7. And we, we, we did the defense of Stephen against the Sanhedrin, or actually with the Sadducees. It wasn't the full Sanhedrin, the chief priests. And we got up to where he gets stoned. So we'll pick it up from his stoning event. So... <clears throat> Acts 7 has often been used by skeptics as an argument against the integrity of Scripture, uh, owing to the many inconsistencies and disparities of Stephen's speech before the Sadducees. So when you, when you, when you read Acts 7, uh, he gives this, this uh, uh, long defense of sacred history, and it's got some differences from what's actually in the, uh, the actual Torah itself. And... Skeptics would come along and say, see, your Bible's not true, therefore your faith is false, and there's no God. And, uh, and so you have to acknowledge and wrestle with that this is one of those, those, those chapters. However, let's remember who Stephen is. Stephen, as described in Acts 6, is full of the Holy Spirit. And he is a worker of miracles and signs. Little is known of Stephen. Stephanos is his name, meaning wreath or crown except that he is a Greek speaker from the Hellenistic Jewish community. He reads and quotes from the Septuagint Greek Bible, which will explain the differences in quotes from the Old Testament, the one that we have. The context is a high-pressure situation. There are charges of blasphemy against the Torah and the Temple have been brought against Stephen. And this is his chance to defend himself. So how does he do it? He doesn't say, all oh, the things aren't true. He actually goes on the offense. Stephen begins by addressing the Sadducees, right? Note who he's actually talking to, the chief priests of the temple, the people who are in charge of the temple, which are not Pharisees. Okay? Pharisees have so far only tried to defend the movement. Okay, so Gamliel uh, has tried to defend Peter and Paul is gonna get defended by Pharisees later on in the future too. Okay, uh, so here we're fighting Sadducees. So Stephen addresses these Sadducees as brothers and fathers. Brothers, achim, in the sense of, sense of relationship in the Jewish family, and fathers, avot, in the sense of the patriarchs, those leaders of the people throughout sacred history. Everyone who was one of the patriarchs is grouped together and called the avot. In, okay? And you even had a little collection of sayings of the fathers called Pirkei avot, which is the first part of the Mishnah. Okay. Stephen delivers a condensed rendition of sacred history with many uh, events all squashed together. Examples are the purchases and the burial plots of the patriarchs are condensed together. So he condenses the, the, the purchases of uh, Joseph 
Jacob and Abraham in the burial slots and he puts them all together in Shechem. But of course you all know Abraham was buried in Machpelah, the different one. So, you know, skeptics come along and go, ah, see, the Bible's not true. But what he's really doing is under intense pressure, he's just condensing his history together and he's put all the purchases together and he isn't. Um, it's not, he doesn't not know his Bible, he's just uh, racing through his defense. The number of uh, people going down into Egypt is from the Septuagint, which is 75. In the Hebrew text, it's 70. Uh, the length of captivity in Egypt is also different. Sometimes it's 400, sometimes it's 430, and it oscillates depending on who's quoting from which text. There is a high level of angiology in the books of Jubilees, Enoch, and Jasher. These are Second Temple period Jewish texts. God was seen as being too holy, he was too, too powerful to be able to have a, a dealing with a human. And so in the Second Temple period, Jewish people began to put a mediator. Thus mediators, angels, become part of the narrative in God's dealing with his creation. And this is reflected in Stephen's speech. So in chapter 7, he says that angels were present with God in the burning bush. That is not in the original text in the Masoretic text, but it is in Second Temple period texts. As in the giving of the Torah and at Mount Sinai. Paul also has the same angelology. In Galatians 3.19, he also mentions that the Torah was given by angels, which is not literally in the Hebrew text, but it appears in Second Temple period Jewish tradition. So all Stephen is doing is reflecting very accurately his position in the Second Temple period. Okay? His use of Greek and his high angelology and his uh, under pressure condensing sacred history. He, using the failings of the patriarchs in sacred history, that is, as he goes through chapter 7, he's constantly bringing forward different patriarchs, Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, and he mentions where they went wrong. Okay? The jealousy of the, of the brothers against Joseph. So here are all these great patriarchs, but they're jealous. Abraham being told to leave his father's house, but he does not. He waits until his father dies, right, before he goes. Even though God told him, leave your father's house. So we see that he's beginning to attack the patriarch, saying you're not doing what God told you to do. Okay? So he uses the failings of the patriarchs in sacred history, which is well expanded upon in the Second Temple period literature like Enoch, Jubilees, and Jasha. Stephen challenges the current of vote, the current fathers, the current patriarchs, which are the leaders of the temple, that they mimic the patriarchs of old in their jealousy, in their disobedience, and their misunderstandings of the work of God. Summed up in the phrase in chapter 7, you always resist the Holy Spirit. It is a direct challenge to the Sadducees. They accuse Stephen of blasphemy, and he counters by declaring the temple to be empty. The sacrifices are also empty and valueless. The Sadducee elites to be jealous, disobedient, and actually working against God. We thus learn from this chapter that being full of the Holy Spirit does not make someone infallible. Okay? Isn't that a good thing to know? Right? Just because you actually are full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that what comes out of your mouth is always the truth. And we can see it in Stephen. In his pressure situation, he pushes some of the history together. Okay? He's still full of the Holy Spirit. But it means also we can also make mistakes. Okay? 
or immune to harm. Just because you're full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean nothing bad's going to happen to you. What's about to happen to Stephen? He's, he's doing miracles. He's doing signs. And he's about to lose his life. So you can be full of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make you bulletproof. Okay? And it is possible, as we can see from Acts 7, to resist the Holy Spirit. That's actually been probably one of the big lines from this chapter. He said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be resisted. Okay? And how? They were learning, right? They were trying to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. The Sadducees are not. Okay, the early church... Yeah, because they're being full of the Spirit. So trying to figure out what that means. The Holy Spirit had been an agent of God working in history with prophets and patriarchs to bring about the will of the Lord. The plans of the Lord could be met with resistance, not only from obvious enemies like Pharaoh or Syria or Babylon, but also from within the Jewish family and Jewish leadership. Right? This is Jewish leadership that are resisting the plans of God. The example of the patriarchs' resistance stems from disobedience. When they were disobedient, they didn't do so well. When they were obedient, the plans of God kept moving forward. And you can see that in the heroes of faith. Okay? Uh, this would clearly line up then with Peter's declaration in Acts 5, that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey. Amen. All right. So that was one of his lines in Acts 5, and it's basically reiterated in Stephen, but in a slightly different way, that disobedience is resisting the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay. So now, after he's challenged the uh, Sadducees uh, that they are, they are not doing their job as patriarchs, they get incredibly angry, and it's curtains for Stephen. But let's... let's, um, let's... Can I just ask one question on yep. what you said in about last week? You haven't given any possible credence to the fact that the writer of Acts might have pushed all history together. You accepted that Stephen was the one who pushed his Bible. Yes, so I, I'm accepting that, that Luke is recording accurately the words of Stephen, not after the event having data and then going, well, I'll just shove this all together. I, I can't see Luke, who I think is an Antiochian Jew, who knows history, making such a blatant mistake by saying that Abraham's buried in Shechem. Even to put that into to the words of Stephen. What I find is, even though he knows it's a mistake, he accurately records it. Which I think shows you the integrity of Luke is that he's actually saying, look, my brother stood up against the, the Sanhedrin and he kind of blew it on a few things, but that's okay. He, was, he got his point across. They killed him anyway, but I won't fudge it. I'll, so I kind of will go down the line that, that he's actually he's recording a, uh, uh, a historical truth. I think an important aspect of Luke is that we know from the introduction to the Gospel that he seeks out eyewitnesses. So he knows that he's not an eyewitness for most of what he's writing in the gospel. And, and uh, I would say um, this part of Acts as well. Um, but he knows the thing that has credence is an eyewitness account, whether it's an oral testimony or a written testimony. So and I would suspect, because this was such a significant event, like Acts chapter 2 as well, 
that he was able to find written accounts. People yes. who have written down what had happened. Yeah. Um, and so he, he bows to the eyewitness in integrity, and if it appears to be saying something that is uh, not quite corresponds to the scriptures, he assumes that that's actually, as you say, uh, yeah, an excusable thing to happen under the circumstances. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't level it at Luke. I think he would have been really, really careful about what he wrote. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think that because this is also public, uh, as a, as a trial, and, and and his execution is also public, that uh, Luke can find quite a few people to say, "Hey, what actually happened? What was actually said? How did the guy defend himself?" It also might be that within the the judiciary, the actual uh, Sadducees, that there were people just writing it down, yeah. like the court recorder. There was yeah. a guy who actually just <clears throat> they went, "Dang it!" Then we got verbal proof. Okay. Got a problem, so it could be that it could be that simple, but we'll see. Not sure. All right, so let's read Act Seven, going from fifty-four, and we'll and we'll finish it uh, at eight, and we'll, we'll we'll do that section first, and we'll do eight later. So I'll start. So when they heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together upon him. Dragged him out of the city, and began to stand him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their glasses at the feet of the young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said it, he fell asleep. Okay. So, a short little passage. Okay, is there anything there that stands out? Something that you've always noticed or uh, not noticed before? Grinding their teeth, do you tell me? <laughs> curious one. Yeah. gnashing teeth. Yes, and you've got to wonder why they would put that in and or why uh, gnashing of your teeth at someone would even be um, a vicious. Thing. A thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it could be just a bit of poetry. Right. You know, in the way that it says, I want to describe that they're angry. Yeah. All we can see is a cultural, Jewish culture. Eye for eye, teeth for teeth. Ein Tachadayen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Medar, Medar. Yeah, measure for measure. So this is the way they experience their anger. Well, they're, they're, they're I mean, they're angry. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. They're, yeah. An idiom for really seething with anger. Yeah. Because <laughs> they know that he's actually challenged them. He, they, they level the charge of blasphemy and he just went straight at them and said, you guys, you're the patriarchs of our community and you're failing left, right and centre. Um, and so, yeah. And for me is the key verse in 58. Uh, they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Yes, we actually get his age. That, He's a, he's, a, he's a young disciple. Okay, so we're talking about late teens? Is that what, what kind of 
Not 100% sure. I mean, obviously, he's, yeah, he, he's supposedly the disciple of Gamaliel. He hasn't gone his own way yet, so he's not old enough to go out and do his own thing. Uh, so he's still potentially still on the learning curve. Um, but yeah, he could be 18, 19. Isn't that interesting? Mm. I think it's outstanding to say that he saw Jesus standing. Yeah. Standing beside the right hand of the Father. Which means Jesus was resurrected in his form. Right? Correct. He was a for, he was resurrected in off resurrecting form and standing still like to see a person there. Yeah. But it's it's transformed. The body has been transfigured transfigurated. But still standing. That was a very recognized. Yeah. Like the day he was on the upper room. Right. Yeah, and the other thing is that it's, it says in Jesus' resurrection he ascended and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. yeah. But here we see him standing. standing. Yeah. And I think he's actually standing up to welcome Stephen home. I think so, because in, in Daniel, where you get the Son of Man idea, mm -hmm. there are multiple chairs. So the point being, Jesus, you sure could have sat if he wanted to. But in this case, he deliberately is seen standing, which is a very nice thing for him to do. And they were saying, welcome, come and sit. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, welcome, hero. Good talk. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. How about the parable yeah. the, G, the, the portico son, the father was running. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To There's welcome a, him all. Yeah, welcome him. standing, son. running. But with, sorry, going back to Saul being a young man or even a teenager, it's only three verses further on that he's laying waste the church. So he's given a, an amazing amount of responsibility within three verses. Yes, he is. And he moves from being a Pharisee to serving the Sadducees. So either there's a time gap, we're coming to talk about a Isn't time that gap, or else he was already... Um, you know, potentially heading for a position of great importance. Yeah. So he's definitely young and ambitious. Yeah. I think, I don't think there's a big time gap. Partly yeah. because it says, and there arose on that day a great persecution. So that, that's um, chapter yeah. 1. Yeah. So if there's no time gap, this adds weight to my suggestion that he was already being lined up, lined up. or, or um, trained mm -hmm. for authority. Yeah. Yeah, we don't actually have that much detail of the dialogues between Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, so we're not quite sure how much movement, like, did Pharisees coax Sadducee families to their side of, of the interpretation? Did movement go the other way? I think, I think what we find in Acts, we definitely see movement going from Paul, because he, he's, his previous master had, had instructed him as a good Pharisee, don't do this, you know, calm down. Um, Whereas uh, he, he gets a bit more violent with, uh, with the Sadducees. But he could be a social climber. I don't know. We can, we can talk well, about it. He would have been more than a tent maker, wouldn't he, if he was a social climber? Mm. Uh, yeah. There was, there was a good trade to have. Because the, the, uh, sure. the equipment is pretty light to carry around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it goes with Just the itinerant style of yeah. preaching. So it's, a, yeah. it's a good trait to have. I was studying uh, this morning with some rabbis, and we were studying uh, Pirkei de Rebbe, uh, actually Tanakhuma, so on Leviticus. And uh, one of the rabbis we were studying was a stonemason, and it describes him as being a, 
uh, a stonemason, and I and it, often in the in the midrash it describes the, the trade, oh, and they've all got trades. Because you know, uh, they they all had. So why don't they these days? Yeah, the the current the current idea of them not doing any work is completely against the very books that they're reading. Because mm. the actual the actual the actual uh, midrash, the actual Mishnah says mm. you, the, you must do three things and, and you know you must teach your son a trade, you must teach him to swim, and uh, and they're failing miserably at that. <laughs> yes, yeah, man, uh, too many of uh, of the Muslims, Orthodox Muslims and Orthodox Jews drown because they just don't know how to swim which is t terrible. Anyway, um, so here we have Stephen having done his, his, his defense uh, and he's, he's made them angry. Whether, whether this is a literal gnashing of teeth or whether this is a figurative description of how angry they are, uh, the, the next verse is interesting because it says Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. So he is, he is constantly described since <coughs> Acts 6 to be full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he looks into heaven, so somehow, somehow, there's an, uh, a tear in the gap between this realm and the next realm. So what does that imply if Stephen can look into heaven from where he is? Seven heavens, traditionally. Traditionally, yep. Well, I think the initiative is from above to, to tear the heavens. Like the angels who sang to the shepherds. Right. That heaven was torn open. Torn open. But from, from heaven's side. So I think this, yeah. this capability has come from heaven's side. It is. So it's come from heaven's side. But how close is it? It's close. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a nice comforting thought? Where's heaven? It's like it's, it's just there. It's there. Yeah, it's not that far away. And, and every now and again, you have these encounters in the Bible where just for a brief moment, they slip through the other side and they're right there. Like when Daniel prays, instantly an angel turns up. It says, from the moment you prayed, I came. It's like, wow, where were you? Just there. Uh, and, he, and again, he, he, um, he, the, the, there's a rent in the in the in the fabric between the two realms and he gets to look inside and he sees the kavod adonai the glory of god um anyone un understand what that is yes and he called on lord jesus he must be up there receive my spirit yeah he must be up there that he's called upon the name of the lord who's on high uh, right. Um, uh, the, the phrase, the glory of God, he sees the glory of God, the kavod, Adonai. Is there, where else, um, does anyone know where else this phrase sort of appears in the text? Well, I'm familiar with it. Exodus 34, where the glory of God passes by Moses. There's something about this thing called the kavod Adonai, which can move. Okay. It means honor, yeah. weight. Yes. weight. There's some sort of weight to this thing. Yep. Yeah. To be to 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 honor, yeah. To be like dear sir. Um, 
in, in Ezekiel, the Kavod Adonai enters, re leaves the temple and enters the temple. Mm -hmm. So in some way, it's also a fixed form which can, which can move. So he sees it, whatever it is. There's no other description for it other than to say, it's the glory of the Lord, the Kavod Adonai. He also sees Yeshua, sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God, accurately pointed out here by, <coughs> by Neville that he's standing even though previously we had known that Jesus had sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now he's um, uh, uh, standing. And why is he standing? He said because of love. Yeah, could be. Could be because he's actually oh. yeah, ready to receive. Yeah. Well, he wanted to emphasize Jesus was real. He's, he's standing. Yep. You know, because sitting on the throne is a very ancient yep. scriptural cultivated idea. Yeah. The sitting on the throne is the king, right? But right now he's standing up. He's yeah. a real person. He's yeah. a living person. So to stand and to sit, what's one of the things that has to be in heaven for those sort of actions to physically take place? Chairs. Floor. Chairs. Yeah. That's true. Chairs. <coughs> floor. What else? Gravity. Mm. You know, it's not like you sort of float, you're like, oh, I'd love to sit down, but I just... <laughs> is, um, you see, we often have, a, a, have an image of heaven being something other. Okay? Because we live on Earth, so we only, we only understand Earth. We only understand Earth in its dimensions and its activities and things. But think about this. When Enoch went to heaven, what was Enoch? He was a human. When he got to heaven, what happened? Well, obviously, none of us can know. Busy phone today. So, heaven, I'm going to postulate, because it's a Jewish tradition, looks remarkably like here. It has oxygen. Oh, it has streets. It has streets. There are animals in there. Now, Jesus rides a white horse. Could you imagine if you're the only white horse in heaven for all of millennia? You must be the most bored horse on the planet. You know, going, gee, I can't wait to get out of here. When are we going down there where the other horses are? You know, so uh, there are actually several humans in heaven, which means that they also must have oxygen. In fact, the only way to talk is actually to have oxygen. And so um, the, you can talk without oxygen. If you're not a human being, it's true because you need only the oxygen to be alive. But the talk means that you have the sound, the, the, the word, and this means the atmosphere. Could be also without oxygen, but with the restriction of uh, with other things, mm -hmm. with some gaseous. Yeah. So, from a Jewish perspective, that could be very scientifically true, but from a Jewish perspective, the, they view heaven to be remarkably like Earth. Whereas you have it in popular culture, angels sitting on clouds, you know, yes. very insubstantial. Insubstantial thing, yeah. whereas according to Jewish tradition, they see heaven to be actually very physical. Yeah. And so when you read Revelation, that Jerusalem comes down to earth, it's not a mystical, ethereal Jerusalem, it's a very physical, real one. So when Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones, he was breathing into it. Correct. So that was the... We're not sure where those dry bones were, but um, but yes, he does. He breathes into them by the spirit, right? He, uh, he's a, which is an interesting thing. Ezekiel is the only prophet called the son of man, who is given the spirit of God to resurrect. 
which is also a good thought. But anyway, here you have heaven rented, and we see, he actually sees Jesus and something called the honor of the Lord at sitting at the right hand of God. So uh, whether the glory of, the, of God is God, or whether that's something else, I'm not sure. Um, but he, he, he then he sends, tells them what he sees. He says, look, I see heaven open. Uh, no one else seems to be able to see. It doesn't, the, the text doesn't imply or, or say whether everybody else can see it too. Um, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, right, the Ben Adam, which is which, uh, standing at the right hand of God. It was a form. Yeah. A human. yeah, human. Yeah. At this, they covered their ears, and they and yelling at the top of their voices. They're really angry now. You know, here no evil, see no evil. They're just really upset. They run at him, drag him out of the city, and they begin to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So according to everything we know of Jewish execution via stoning, many things here are, are, are completely inappropriate and wrong. I was just going to ask, how did they stone him? Because okay. he was not buried up to the neck no. in soil, was he? Because he knelt down. Correct. So in the Mishnah, it, it actually describes how they actually did second period stoning. And this is the way they would do it. They would take you to a pit which was twice the height of your, your man. And they would initially throw you off it, and there'd be a man waiting down the bottom, and you'd fall, hopefully you'd be stunned, and he would come over with a rock, and he would smash your, your back, your heart. So hopefully it would stop your heart. He would then check to see if you're alive. If not, smash it again. I mean, if, you, if you're still alive. If you're still alive after that, then everybody else would throw rocks at you. That was so the one man, one person was chosen to be the stoner. Like, mm -hmm. like yeah, like the head. Yeah. Now the Mishnah also goes on to say that executions were incredibly rare. That these these did not happen very often at all because they rarely could find enough witnesses to actually verify the truth. In fact, uh, Rabbi Akiva is very famous for saying, "Well, if I was on the Sanhedrin, there would have been no executions ever." <laughs> Like, I would, he just wouldn't do, he just didn't believe in capital punishment. So there was this discussion of should we be doing it, shouldn't we be doing it. But um, the, 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 the method of execution was to go up behind a person, if hopefully he's lying on the ground, and crush his chest, his heart. Because remember in Jewish tradition, where's, where's your faith? Where do, you, where do you have to write the laws on? On your, heart. on your heart, yeah. They, they actually went to go break the heart. Not See, we, in our mind, we think it's that they all smash their heads in. Um, maybe that's because that's the way we did it later, but, but from, the, from written sources, it uh, actually was, was a, to, to, to take out the chest. Um, the, so what so you... Because I've heard that they could throw them off a cliff that was two metres, uh, two men's height. Yeah. In other words, and then they or yeah. That's right. So they'll take him to a place twice the, the height of a man, throw him off, okay, he would fall, there'd be another person who would run over him and with a nice big rock. Hopefully, they would make sure he's lying on his 
on his on his chest. <coughs> so his back was to them. So on the floor. On, he's lying on the ground. He's just just been thrown from a height like here. Yeah. He's down. Okay. So he's down. Hopefully he's stunned. We come over and we smack his back so that you know breaks your back. And it doesn't don't get too descriptive, but that was the just the the way they would do it. Two to like just like scorching, and I heard the scorching is from the back as well. Many things, yeah. From the neck until the, right. the bones. Yeah. Was the, the core yeah. bones? If you hit them, yeah. One or two, the iron balls on upon the joints, yeah. and you just collapse. So from the back makes sense. You know? Yeah. So here you find things not working out the way that they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not doing their. They're, they're, even even at the end, they're still not doing their correct way of, of executing. Uh, uh, you have the witnesses, the ones who are um, going to be... So the witnesses would watch, right? But they would also take part if the person still wasn't dead. You want, you, you, right? So the witnesses would be up there, okay? and the man comes over and he smacks the guy on the back doesn't die, smacks him again, still doesn't die. You guys have a go. And they all then pelt him with rocks. Okay? And, uh, and so the, the text reflects these people called the witnesses, who were supposed to not, the guy was supposed to already be dead before they even got involved. Uh, they put their clothes at the feet of a young man Ooh, named Saul. Why are they taking their clothes off? So that they could pick up the stones. They're going to get sweaty. Okay, they're, they're, you know, they're, there's not a viewing game here. They're actually involved. Okay. Uh, and, and they're doing this at this young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prays. So they're, they're very ineffectual at their job. He's supposed to have been stunned, which he was not. Okay. He has the ability to actually engage in, in prayer, which is a very interesting thing to be doing. And the first question that arises is that they didn't have permission to do this. I mean, the Roman authority. Therefore, it, it seems that something must have, overwhelming must have happened, and that they basically broke the law. Yeah. We have two in, in Israel. There's always multiple sites for this stuff. So there are two two major sites uh, currently in Jerusalem where this event occurs. Do you guys know where they are? Yeah. Yep. Well, they never. Um, well, I vote for outside the Damascus Gate, yep. so even below Skull Hill, mm -hmm. as the older tradition for where Stephen was. So the only other one is Lion's Gate, Stephen Gate. Yeah. So there's a Greek Orthodox monastery there, which and the Greek. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 But it was the council meeting, and surely they would have gone down here. They, they were going to. They were working quickly, weren't they? It doesn't. They just drag him out of the city. I I would he hesitate to actually identify the Lion's Gate, Stephen's Gate one as being true because we know the name of that valley. It's Kidron, and so they easily could have used the word Kidron. They took him to the Kidron. Instead, they just give a non-named. They took him out the city. They, they, there's actually no geography written down. Um, the, old, the older tradition, the earlier one, is, is what Neville said, is it's, it's most likely what we today call the garden tomb area. 
okay maybe not yeah, that site but but very close to that yeah, outside Damascus because gate. It was a quarry. It was a quarry. Yes. That's the most likely place to go to if you went to Stonestone because there's plenty of ammunition. And there's a cliff. And there's a cliff. Yep. Yes. Did you say they lay down the clothes because they are walking tomorrow and sweat? They they are the witnesses. Now in our, t in, in our understanding of the word witness, we think they're just using their eyes. They're going to watch the event. But actually a witness was, was someone who actually may have had to do work. That is, if the guy didn't kill the, the man, the, the man who was going to do the stoning, then the witnesses would be required to finish the job. Uh, in this case, Stephen isn't dying. He's gonna be praying quite a bit. So while they're killing him. So these witnesses take their clothes off, or their outer tunics, because now they're gonna be picking up rocks and, and, and sweating. They're gonna be getting, a, uh, getting into activity. Um, very interesting explanation is offsets to this, because the garments with the tzitzit, which means the tassels, is a, is, a, is, is a presentation of some of authority. So they no. pour down someone authority on top of Paul, uh, Stephen. Yeah. Just like he's under the pressure of the authority. No. And he deserved to die that way. No. This is uh, what I heard. Okay. Does it make sense? No. No, Sidseed's Sid job is to remember commandments. Uh, nothing to do with authority at all because rich and poor had, had Sidseed uh, on the outer garment. Okay. So while they're stoning, this is now verse 59, while they're stoning him, so they're in the action of stoning, he's not, he's not dead, Peter prays, Stephen, uh, Stephen, Stephen, yes, Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Okay, which is an interesting thing to say. He has already seen Jesus standing, so he knows that there's someone waiting for him on the other side. Okay, not very far away. Then he falls on his knees, okay, so he actually has his back, or maybe he has his back to the, the, the people, cries out. And here's an interesting thing he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So he has, just like Jesus on the cross, has compassion for his killers, he also does, which is an incredible thing. And then when he says this, he falls asleep. Now, what does it mean? Euphemism for death. Correct. It doesn't mean. The way that gnashing the teeth is possible. Yes. Euphemism for going right, right, Yeah. Many times in Jewish literature, both in, in, in the Second Hill period, New Testament period, they called people who, who were dead, he had fallen asleep. Why? Because when they looked just like they were fallen asleep. Like when you fall asleep, you don't move. Well, you actually do, but not very much. And you sort of lie there. And there was another guy just lying there, so they, it became synonymous. It doesn't mean, as it was taken up later, this idea of soul sleep. That when you actually moved from one world to the other, your soul went into a sort of hibernation and waited until the second coming. Uh, in, in, in Jewish literature, including the New Testament, all, all accounts, once you cross over into the other world, you're very conscious. Today's Jewish funeral, you always said that, who halach 
נכון. He went to his own world. That's correct. Yes, that's right. It's a world. And in the Psalms it talks about that it even has boundaries. It's got things, you know, like it doesn't go on forever. It's just it's got uh, boundaries. And, um, and people are conscious in this world to come. Like they can talk and move. And, and in Hebrews, eventually it says there's a cloud of witnesses. They somehow be able to look on this side, which is also interesting. Okay, so he dies. I have a question. When Stephen says that um, take my spirit, um, doesn't that mean that there's actually, because he's seeing Jesus and he's saying take my spirit, then he must be seeing Jesus in, in God's like body sense. And so that means that there is actually not. Like it's not a physical world, which like needs oxygen. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to argue no. Uh, I'm going to say that he saw uh, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. In Hebrew, Ben Adam means Son of Man, but it also means human being. Uh, when, when Samuel uh, is resurrected from the dead, he, he has a body and he speaks and he talks. When Jesus is with Moses and Elijah, they are talking and they are recognizable as Moses and Elijah. In fact, uh, their bodies seem so physical to Peter that he wanted to build them tents. Uh, when Jesus is talking about Lazarus and the rich man who die, and, and what, the Lazarus is with Abraham, and they're happy, and then the other man is not happy. He's uh, very hot, and he actually... He says, can you give me some water to cool my lips? So he obviously thinks that there's something there. So I, I, would, I, would, I would go down the, 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 the Jewish line, which, which would imply that, um, that there's a, a in, the, in the world to come, it, it's physical. And so when we say our bodies are just vessels, does that mean that that's incorrect and we will actually have our bodies in heaven? Yes. yes. I mean, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. The corruptible must give place for the incorruptible. So it doesn't just give place for nothing, then you will have a, a resurrection body. Not the same. Not the same body. Recognizably the same, but not the same. Yes. It's cross transfigurated. But it's recognizable because everybody could recognize, they could recognize Samuel. Recognize Moses, they could recognize Elijah, and eventually they could recognize Jesus. Eventually. And yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why that is, but eventually they could recognize him. And definitely Stephen can hear, even though has Stephen seen Jesus? Has Stephen seen Jesus on this side of the planet? So in Maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really don't know. We know nothing about Stephen except for these, this passage. We don't know whether he was on the periphery of the, of the Jesus movement while Jesus was here. We're not sure. Or maybe he just came to faith after. We're not, we're not, we don't know. But somehow he recognizes Jesus. 
They know exactly. Yes, they do. That's right. That's right. And so, is it, 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 this could be this could be one of the first first encounters of that happening. It could be. Yep. All right. So. Uh, yeah, so let's... let's I to just reiterate is the, uh, when Jesus died, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, which is yes. similar. Very similar. Uh, Jesus has put his heart 31, which is a common thing to, if you were able to speak while you were dying. Yep. Yeah, people did that. Did anyone ever see the movie The End of the Spear? It's about um, the, the martyrdom of uh, Elliot and... and uh, Oh, Saint. Nate Saint and these guys and um, the the natives whom they were uh, trying to share the gospel with eventually came to faith to the wives who remained on the mission field after they'd killed their husbands um, and, and as part of their testimony they said while we were killing them we saw their spirits leave their bodies mm-hmm. and, and that was one of the things that uh, they say helped them come to faith is that they were sitting in their campfires going we all know what we saw what, what, what is it that we saw? We all saw them you know, leave their bodies, and that's a very interesting, powerful thing. So here you have Stephen saying, you know, take my spirit, Lord. And, uh, and, and he does. <clears throat> and then, then we begin the persecution. So we'll read the persecution bit, which is just only a few, few verses. Uh, I'll read it. Chapter 8. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. All right. So... The, the first of the persecutions begins and it's not um, uh, Gentiles doing it, it's an inner Jewish opposition. Okay? And what do we see? And was the church a physical place or was it a group? Or was there a building where they were meeting traditionally? John Mark's mother's house? Where have they been meeting mostly? Uh, well, on the temple, it's the place where they could all meet. There were clearly no other buildings capable of holding thousands of people. Yeah. So the temple had been the, the biggest place of their gatherings, very attached to the temple. They, um, and so we, we, we find uh, there's a scattering. Who's not scattered? Does anyone find that interesting? Mm. Why do you find that interesting, Anthea? Why did they stay? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, what did Were you... they older by this time and vulnerable with white beards? And <laughs> You've been looking at icons again. <laughs> did everybody go around and say you're Martian? Absolutely they did, surely. Yes, that's it. Um, what did Jesus tell them to do in Acts 1? Yeah. No, no, no. Go to Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth. Yeah. So he told them. And what don't they do? 
Exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> you know, isn't that interesting that uh, it's again, Jesus is told, he's, he's resurrected from the dead. He spends more time with them and he says, now go and they stay. Even when persecution breaks out, out of everybody who stays is them. Yet they were the ones that Jesus said, go, but they don't. So I'll read the verse just to make it clear. Yep. Um, and Jesus says to them, but you will receive power when yep. the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And when he had said this to them, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. So that was the last thing. Yeah, that the, the word <laughs> echoed around in their head. Yeah. Acts chapter 1 verse It doesn't say go. It said you will. You will be. be. Yes. So maybe they're they're playing that that well we, we, we won't go until he says go. Well, no, no. The clearly that they ought to leave. The church, you know, if the church is being um, scattered around the dear Samaria, you would think the leadership would lead. Yeah, I would go physically and lead. Yeah, from behind. Yeah, I, I read a couple of commentaries on this. Um, no one actually picked up on this Acts 1 sort of idea, they all said, you know, isn't it great that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and everybody would have rallied around saying, you know, that the, the, the mothership in Jerusalem is still there, it's still solid, and you're like, wow, really, that's your commentary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure how much uh, that would help people when they're being carted off to prison, knowing that Stephen's still in, uh, Peter's still in Jerusalem, hasn't moved. Um, <coughs> why, why do you think they couldn't touch these guys? I mean, they know who they are. They've actually seen them before. They've had Peter and John sitting in front of them. And yet, we'll catch everybody else. They were protected by, by other what was the last time that happened when we kept caught Peter and put him in prison? Well, they had to sneak him out. I mean, they have the people behind them, yeah. I think, to a large extent. The people who favored the apostles because of the signs and wonders and the healings and the, and the amazing stuff they did. Yes, because these guys are still doing that. And so are these, um, these, these next layers of people that they make, the deacons, the, the, the Greek dudes. Um, they also managed to do miracles and signs. Well, the last time we threw Peter and John in prison, what happened? Andrew, Andrew came and walked out again. He was like, well, we can't throw these guys in prison. It just doesn't work. It's, it's, it'll be embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah like, believers, I'll catch that guy instead. <laughs> the believers didn't want to lose another uh, apostle in the way that they lost Stephen. Could be. I mean... Um, they didn't want to risk. They don't, they don't kill them. What do they end up doing? They throw them in, in prison, right? They, the, 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 the incident with Stephen is something that probably should not have happened. It did, but it probably should not. Uh, and here now, um, maybe the Romans have sort of, you know, said a little word to the Sadducees. Hey, excuse me, capital punishment's not your prerogative. That's our prerogative. Uh, who knows, we're not told. But um, it, uh, Saul is leading the charge, and he goes house to house uh, and drags men and women off and puts them in prison. And uh, I mean, that would have been a scary, uh, very terrifying uh, city to live in, okay? which is the holy city. 
So we're supposed to be where heaven and earth connect. Okay, this is the Temple Mountain, a little special spot where heaven and earth connect, and yet this is also. Maybe God intended to scatter them away. Yeah. To not stick in the religious Jerusalem. Yeah. Instead, his his idea, God's desire, is to spread Himself by having them, giving them an opportunity to experience subjectively the power of God yeah. during the persecution. Right. This is for persecution is always do good things yeah. for us, for all, even today. Yeah, it, it shows up. Yes. The, 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 what the Acts is doing is it's showing us a pattern, yeah. not necessarily uh, a prototype. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, missionaries don't sit around a table and say, okay, we're going to go to Kenya and we're going to spread the gospel. Which one of us wants to die? Like, we need a martyr. That's what happens in Acts 7. Someone dies and then the church explodes. Right? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a prototype, but it is a pattern. When we often see this in history, as you're saying, when, the, when people come down to crush the the, the, come up. the faith yep they it just spreads yeah. but it's it's not a missionary prototype it's not the the way to go and spread the gospel is we'll just get someone killed and then uh, and then we'll then we'll have a then we'll have a missionary explode the Holy Spirit will pour out once someone's died who's who's going to draw the short store um, well, that, that's interesting because in, in modern terms, you know, I'm told that the Messianic movement here really took off after there was a letter bomb um, through a Messianic letterbox of a household and a child was back uh, yeah, uh, yeah. in the Ariel. News yeah, it and, did. Yep. Yeah, and many, many people came to faith right yeah. very quickly after uh, that. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's, yeah. Through the Bible, always persecution caused the good end. Because God's, God's plan is to spread Himself. Yes. Spread Himself, His, uh, his power and His nature. Yes. Through the, 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 the disciples who follow Him. Yep. And they know what kind of Jesus was about, you know, and mm -hmm. comparing with them. They, they might be the scattering men to be. Otherwise, there is no point. God is to, sh to save this small community. This is His firstborns, mm -hmm. the precious one. They need to be in unity all the time, move here and there, yeah. like a, in a very good march. But so, it is not. So, what are they some of the? Yeah, yeah. So, what does that teach us? As what are we learning about? Um, well, I guess what about life in the in the kingdom? Not panicking any situation of that. It would be nice if we could do that. I would agree. Yeah, we are trying you know? to be that way. It, we, yeah. We are trying to yes. be that I way. mean, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 2, you have overcome the fear of death, and yet most of us are still afraid to die. No, we are. Even though we have verses that say, you have overcome the fear of death, but most of it us are still... Dying. dying, yeah. And here we know persecution is good, but none of us go, oh, I can't wait for a good bit of persecution. Okay, so here we have, we're off to Judea and Samaria, which is exactly where God wants us to be. And then we encounter uh, Philip, one of these, um, 
one of these uh, uh, diakonos, one of these deacons that have been created in, in Acts uh, 6. Philippos, again, a Greek name. Uh, picking it up at verse 4. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Yay. Uh, yeah. And uh, now note, what don't they have? They don't have a Bible. They don't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Okay. They probably, they probably don't even. Yeah, they probably don't. They have Yeah. 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 I've got my little Agalak, and I come in. I've got to sell you a Watchtower magazine. Again, preaching the gospel is maybe just a euphemism for giving their testimony. Could be. People said, "Why have you moved here? You know what's been going on in Jerusalem." Yeah. Heard this, that, and Tell us about it. Yeah. Sure. Things to say. That's right. I said, "I heard you guys were were." healing people is that true I say oh yes I saw this that and the other I said well my daughter's sick can you come in sure and then before you know it people are like wow you've, you've got to talk to these these believers in Jesus they can do amazing stuff yeah so preaching mm-hmm. the gospel doesn't yeah. mean they were carrying a folding no that's right yeah yeah that's right yeah the end of the world is coming No, Emmaus has happened. Yes, so yeah, so at this time they have been just on this way. So Jesus has been resurrected. Yes, 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 absolutely. Okay, yes, and this means that Jesus itself um, told them the whole story in uh, in the old so-called testament, and he told them, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm there, and they're standing for me, and so 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 this was telling. The apostles are going to tell to preach the Old Testament. Absolutely. Well, it was just two people who had that Bible study. That's true. Shame it wasn't recorded. Yes. You know, uh, the, the one on the road to Emmaus. Yeah. 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 That gets people's attention. And, yeah. and he's going to do it again. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Okay. For some reason, uh, Luke doesn't record the name of the city. Not sure why. Okay. Now, maybe he didn't have a chance uh, to talk to Philip directly. Okay. But uh, uh, there's a city in Samaria. It's in Shomron. He's an itinerant. Which is just struggling through yeah. the regional Samaria. Now, okay. we need to fix all Wednesday. What language does the Samaritans speak? The region of Samaria? That's what you're saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. What language does Philip speak? Somehow he must also be able to communicate with them. Samaria. Yeah. And uh, so he proclaims the Messiah there. Which is interesting because. What was one of the things the Samaritans aren't looking for? Right. Now, why not? What What's the Bible that Samaritans have? What What What, what is the Bible that the Samaritans have? 
Yes, the Samaritans still here, they still exist. They're actually growing in number now. Still. Yes, yes. Yeah. There are Samaritans that still exist and they're on Mount Gerizim. The original, the original yep. Yes, but, but the, the Northern Kingdom citizens actually. Yeah. Well, they're after being exiled. Not really. Yeah. And the Syrians move in the Hawaiian to cause them to be the mixture. That's why they are intermarried. Intermarried. Yes. The irony is that they are the ones that decided, became very strict about not intermarrying. Yes. Until Jews were less strict. Yes. And their name is interesting. They are the Shomrim. Yes. And what is a Shomer? Yeah, the, the, the guardians, the watchers, right? which is very interesting that that's their name. Just a little bit and just clarify this word, Samaritan and Samaria, and where the T comes in, why they're not called Samarians, why they're Samaritans, and why the people who live in Samaria now are not all Samaritans. Right. So to go from what? The The region of Samaria, okay, is a region. And it's, and it's got mixtures of groups of people in it. So, Shomorim, Samarians, and Samaritans, and Arameans, and there's all these different types of different people. Um, we're not quite sure 100% exactly which one of these he goes to, but he goes and he talks about the Messiah. If he's talking to the current group of Samaritans, what is their Bible? Their Bible is only the first five books of the Bible, so they actually don't have a messianic character. Right, exactly. So, uh, which is interesting, um, because we've already had Jesus share with Samaritans, and as many of them actually became believers. And so... Well, look, she says in John chapter 4, I know that... Messiah is coming. Yes. And when he comes, he will tell us Yeah. It's it's one of those interesting parts of the text that we actually might not have a clear understanding of exactly what they believed. So we've got a group of Samaritans that we have today, and it's always nice to take what you see today and superimpose it on the past. Shouldn't actually do that. Um, the the current group of Samaritans who do tell you that they've been there and can trace their lineage, may now have a more stricter theology than they did 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But they themselves by not intermarrying. Correct. Which is why they're still there to this day as, they, as Samaritans. Yeah, but and they were dying yeah. out. No, they are now growing. They're now growing Correct. because they've brought in... They've brought in some... some Russian... Correct. Right. <laughs> but in the 70s, yeah. when I was a teenager, there were only were 300 yeah. Samaritans yeah. left, and most of them were blind because of intermarriage. Intermarriage. Yes, and yeah. so they had other genetic problems as well. Yeah, there used to be a. When, when we had the bank me down here in the coffee shop, mm-hmm. one of the bank managers was a Samaritan. And his name was um, Mr. Cohen, and Cohen was spelt with a K. Mm-hmm. And he had a shock of red hair. And he went. Wow, that's just awesome. <laughs> he was a Samaritan. Yep. And he spoke very fluent Arabic because everybody else in the bank was Arabic, but he himself was a Samaritan. Oh, well, most people in this country are. Yeah. So, I'm so sorry. Take me on the same level. I'm not there. 
uh, I'm standing at the ancient time when uh, the kingdom uh, was uh, cut off and we have the northern part and the southern part mm -hmm. of uh, Israel. So the Lord is telling that uh, the southern part, Judah, he is calling my children, my people, Amin. But the northern part, uh, Samaria, was called Lo Amin. So uh, he gave them the Egyptian. Yes, uh, and from the prophets. So, and they, this is my understanding, I'm sorry, they uh, uh, waited. Was, they were waiting for the. Um, I'm sorry. Yes, and, and for the possibility uh, to come back in this kingdom. If she was not, they were exiled, they, they disappeared, no longer existing, the northern kingdom. Ten tribes. Okay, yeah, yeah. there's two things. Yeah, that what Lenin says is correct. But also, when the Assyrians were sweeping through uh, and they besieged Samaria for three years, it took time. And anybody who had any sense about them said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving again. And there was a big migration south, and a lot of them settled on the western hill of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the ten tribes ended up in Judea. And, and Hezekiah, the king Hezekiah, built a wall around it. Yep, that's right. And, and, and not only, and then um, uh, Herod had to build a third one because the population was just growing so much. Is that the ten, the, all the tribes are represented here. And this is why most of the Syrian Jewish immigrants yeah. came from. That was their roots because yeah. they were carried away to Syria. Yeah. And they continued living until maybe 19th century start to move back. There was a very, very ancient people from Mesopotamia. You know, the Iraqis. The Iraqi is called Eastern Jews. Right. I started from the Northern Kingdom dispersion. They went over there and settled there, yeah. still keeping the Jewish community. Yes. Speaking Arabic. Ever, since, ever since the first the, diaspora, the, the diaspora there, there have always been more Jews outside the land of yeah. Israel than in it. Yeah. Uh, and so apparently, with Israel turning 71, there was a census taken, and Israel now has 45% of all the world's Jews. So it still means that 55% of the world's Jews do not live in the land of Israel, so the majority still live outside, which was, it, which was the way it was at the time of Jesus. The majority of Jews in the world do not speak Hebrew which is exactly the same as it was at the time of Jesus. Uh, you know, we haven't changed too much. Um, but anyway, uh, in, the, in the last 10 minutes, we'll just see if we can try and finish a bit more. This, okay? So, Philip's in Samaria, and he's proclaiming the Messiah, and uh, uh, which, which Jesus has, he's already, he's, uh, well, he, he might not have, but Jesus has already shown his disciples that this is okay. Because he is engaged in, Samar in uh, Samaritan mission, Samaritan mission. Okay. Uh, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, okay, so his his words are also being matched with deeds. They all paid close attention to what he said, right? So they see something and go, "Wow, we better listen to this boy." And with shrieks, evil spirits come out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, why do you think that they that they mention that piece of information? The paralysis or the joy or so which? 
bit of both, maybe. But mm-hmm. you know, out of all the people that are going to be healed, in in some parts of Acts, they just say people being healed. But here signs it's signs of wonders. Well, does there be signs of wonders? Yes. But for some reason, they're really wanting to, to focus on paralytics and cripples. Were these some of the genetic problems that were bringing, they were bringing upon themselves? By Could be. trying to separate themselves? And Don't know. Yeah. They, they ended up being quite a large number of people. Uh, during the Samar- uh, Samaritan revolt against the Romans, one and a half million Samaritans get killed. In 1870 or 1885? Um, I'm not quite sure when. I don't know when the Samaritan revolt. It's called the Samaritan revolt, not the Jewish revolt. Samaritans also have a messianic uprising, revolt which is Romans. And the Romans crush them like they crush everybody at this time period. I mean, they eventually lose their empire, but uh, they kill um, you know, a large number of Samaritans. I'm not surprised because they are partially Jewish. It, yes. That was against the Romans by nature. And uh, they, still have, they still believe in monotheism. Monotheism, yeah. 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 So, so here we have uh, uh, spreading of the gospel. Focusing on the Messiah, there is uh, signs and wonders as well, and it comes out with the control of evil spirits. So, so the kingdom of heaven can control and defeat the kingdom of darkness. And for whatever reason, there's particular attention being paid to paralytics and cripples. That doesn't say other people were not healed, they probably were. But for whatever reason, we need to be told this piece of information, this, this idea that the people who, whose, whose you know, parts of their body were not working, particularly the bit to walk, now was healed. Yeah, but if Luke was a doctor, he'd be particularly interested in the medical and science and Yeah. Yeah, he is specific. He is specific. Yeah. He gets specific like that. Yeah. You know, um, and he does. Um, the, what's not told about Philip? Doesn't say that he's full of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mention the Holy Spirit at all. Okay, um, it does in in Acts six, but not here. I think in Acts six, it's just a generic sort of idea. These guys are full of the Holy Spirit, or they have the Holy Spirit, or however it's actually mentioned in in uh, in Acts six. But in this part, Philip begins his um, journey down into Samaria to preach, to cast out demons, to heal, and there's no mention of the Holy Spirit. So it's just, again, one of those interesting parts of Acts where you can have the Holy Spirit, but it's certainly not going to make you infallible or save you from death. Uh, And then you have other characters who come along and can do all kinds of wonderful things, and there's no mention of the Holy Spirit at all. But you know he's there. But the text doesn't. It does, like the, the text doesn't have to hammer home every single time you do a miracle. It was because of the Holy Spirit. Every time you said something famous, it was the Holy Spirit directing your mouth. The, the Book of Acts just does not need to tell you that all the time. Okay. But the bits where it does tell you, I think, are very good ways to learn. That you know, we could we learned that we could resist the Spirit. We've learned that you can be full of the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, and. Which does not uh, save you from death, and then we we and then we have a character Philip be doing his evangelism. We assume 
with the with the power of the Holy Spirit, but there was no need to say it. Yes. What was in need to, to be said was he preached the Messiah. Many people heard, many people saw, the demons got what was coming to them, and those who had suffered with physical deformities, mainly the inability to walk, could do so. What was one of the prophecies of the of the Messiah? That the lame would walk. Right? Is that uh, and the eyes, the eye the blind will see and the lame will walk. Right? And uh, and, and the poor will have the gospel preached. And the poor will have the gospel preached to them. Yes. And there was this tremendous propagation of the pneumatic Christ through their life. Yep. Their journeys. They didn't do anything else except pray and break the bread and go serve. Yep. The whole book of Acts, nothing else but serving yep. Jesus in such a reality. Because not too far mm -hmm. away from mm -hmm. the time. The twelve disciples witnessed by themselves. They're still like they're so close to Jesus. Time, yep. 15 years after, right? It was 45 started from Book of Acts. 45, only maybe 15 years after Christ resurrected. So the, all the all the uh, memories are so fresh, and uh, that's helped them to be so powerful. Right. What do we know of Philip from this little passage so far? That's right, we don't know a lot. But we know one thing by himself. He may have had a translator, of course. Could have. This is true. Because if Stephen is speaking Greek to the chief priests, there's a good chance that he was actually doing so through a translator, which would have then helped public recordings. Right? Um, but we don't. Philip, his name is Greek. He's chosen to serve because he could speak Greek. It, 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 you're right, Shirley, he could have had a translator. There's no mention of him being with any party. It's just describing him. Um, however, the model of Jesus was always to send out people in groups, right? Two by two, which, which you will find later when they send Peter and John out, right? Two by twos. Who cares with him? It doesn't say, uh, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, our sacred history is not interested in that, that detail, but it is interested to tell us that the Samaritans have heard. And they've okay. had a young disciple, a young pupil. Mm -hmm. It's very possible. Yeah. yeah. We, we know the names of some of the disciples and pupils of the, of the apostles. Um, Polycarp, uh, Lucius, and a few other different people. Who, these are the disciples of John. Uh, not, not a lot of people, but we know a few. Because they went on to do cool stuff. He could actually have been mentoring a group. He could have. Yeah. He could have, it could have been. He was serving the Greek community inside Jerusalem. There's persecution. And then their little group of Greeks wandered off into Samaria. And uh, Philip says, okay, does anyone here speak Aramaic? Yeah, I do. Fantastic. Stand next to me. Here we go. And... Uh, yeah, and we have no we have no clue, but the 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 text as it is tends to imply it's just him. Yeah. 
but it might not have been. Might they have he or they have been looking for little um, groups of Greek speaking Jews? Could have been. Or some or Samaritans who what? needed to hear the gospel, and he was the ideal person. Yeah, it's it's very possible. Um, it's also very possible he's just multilingual himself, because he's going to start chatting to. Uh, to uh, Ethiopians and all kinds of people in a minute, so. And he's by himself there. Yeah, he's by yeah, himself. He's like, sorry, it, it, later on in it, he's he's by him himself. Philip is on his own. That's yeah. Good. And Philip found himself as a test. Yeah. He was kind of sort transported. of. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does. It tend, It reads as though he's alone. Yeah. He might not have been, but it does read like he's that that way. Later on, we read he has seven daughters. Yes. So, you, so the next question is, where's your wife? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's quite yeah. a good reason Keeps. for you to get out. Keep busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I've got no, no times yet. Okay, guys, that was, uh, I very much enjoyed our little study. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.